You're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode number 12, recorded on November 5th, 2011. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can influence the success of others, their organization, and themselves. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is five ways to have courage to coach. This past week, I received a note from a former client that was part of a program that I facilitated earlier this year teaching leaders how to have better coaching skills. And she emailed me because she had identified an issue in her organization with one of the folks that she's leading. And she emailed and said, hey, I normally would either not have noticed this or maybe I would have noticed it but not done anything with it. And I've learned to address things early with people when things come up and to have courage to do that. And I'm looking for some advice on how to handle a particular situation. And I actually emailed her back and said, first of all, congratulations for having the courage to be willing to address a tough situation. And I was thinking about that a lot this week because I think as leaders, We need to really be able to have courage in order to address situations with people that will help not only us to be more effective, but just as importantly, if actually not more importantly, to help them to be more effective too. And so today we're going to look at how we can be as leaders more courageous. And I have five suggestions for you to do that, that you can put into practice almost immediately. And as you're listening today, if you have questions or comments for me, or for any of the ideas or thoughts that I have here on the show today, feel free to give me a call and leave a message. You can reach me at 877-LEARN-45. So again, that's 877-LEARN-45. And you can also email me with feedback. And that email address is feedback at innovatelearning.com. You know, it was about five or six years ago that I was facilitating a training class with one of our clients and I had, this was a program that was probably about um, 10 or 11 or 12 weeks in duration. And I had started this class and the class met weekly with a number of leaders um, on site at a company we were working with. And I remember pretty early in the class that one of the people that was in the course had started to talk with me as the class would go on the very early part of the program and said that, you know, there were some things that she didn't really agree with in the training program. And there were some th- some of the philosophy of the program she didn't really agree with. And, and it was interesting because she, uh, you know, we got along great personally. Um, and she, you know, liked talking with me and she liked talking with the other people that were involved in the organization, but she just didn't care for the some of the content of the program. And so we had some conversations along the way, but um, you know, it was one of those things that as time went on, gradually started to become a bigger and bigger issue. And although I had talked with her a little bit about it on the front end of the program, 
uh, gradually she became to started to express more concerns about what was being learned and the philosophy behind it and the tools behind it uh, within the class to others and uh, each week as we would meet this became worse and worse and worse and worse and uh, finally uh, probably about uh, three quarters of the way through this this you know two three month program uh, one of the other, participants in the program came up to me um, or maybe called me. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but uh, not important and said, I can't work with this person anymore in this class. And I can't because they're so negative about what they're learning, the uh, program content, uh, the, just the attitude they bring into the classroom that I, you know, I don't want to be a part of a class where this person's involved. And oh, by the way, can you do whatever possible to uh, not have this person work with me in a group or, or anything like that? And I, I knew I, as as the facilitator, I had to do something at that point. And so, of course, I'd been thinking this all along that I really needed to have a uh, a more a more in-depth conversation with her about her concerns about the class. And, um, and certainly I wasn't trying to change her opinion about things, but, but to really communicate to her that if her dissatisfaction with the program and the content was really that extreme, that uh, one, she would either need to leave the class or that she'd need to contain her uh, criticism to the, in order to not affect the learning of other people. Well, of course, I had thought all that, but I hadn't actually said it. So once I was getting a complaint from someone else, then I knew I needed to do something. And so I called her up, and I think the conversation was probably about 10 minutes. And I told her what had happened. I didn't use the name of the other person, but I said, someone else in the class has expressed a concern of some of the things that you've said in the class. And I said, I've noticed them too, that you've been you know, critical of some of the content and the material in the program. And that it's really becoming an obstacle for them to learn. And I said, you know, that's that's the point that concerns me because it's I'm fine if you have, you know, your own opinions. But when it becomes an obstacle for other people to be able to learn, that's when things, uh, you know, cross the line. And I shared that information for a few minutes, and then I remember there was silence on the other end of the line, and she responded and said, "I had no idea." I was having that effect on other people. And she was almost in tears on the phone with me. In and 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 really I found out later quite quite upset and and I don't want to say devastated, but really, really very frustrated that something she had done had affected someone else in that classroom. And it wasn't that she didn't recognize that she had been negative about what the class was learning or that she had expressed strong opinions. It just never occurred to her that those uh, things she had communicated would have affected other people in a negative way. And you might look back at the story and say, well, you did the right thing. You got a good outcome. Uh, someone had a realization that they, uh, that they, you know, they, they had some learning that they weren't aware of already. But I look back on that situation and I really feel as though that was a failure for me as a facilitator. And the reason why is because I could have addressed it probably a month and a half before that actually, it actually got to that point. And as it worked out, as it happened, 
the person who was uh, who who was the kind of the problem person in the class, um, you know, did continue in the class and came back that week and apologized in front of the whole class and was it was in tears when she did it, and and while the resolution in some ways was positive, I caused her a tremendous amount of stress, and I caused other people stress in the class too because I wasn't willing as a facilitator to have the courage to jump in and to solve a problem or at least try to address the problem once I sensed that there was an issue. And I certainly had sensed there was an issue long before someone else had started complaining in the class. And so as leaders, I think that was a, you know, that was a really important learning lesson for me as a trainer, as a facilitator today, as a consultant, that when there's a concern, when there's something that I sense is wrong, the importance of addressing that immediately. And I think as leaders, we need to have that courage to be able to step in when we know something isn't working right and be able to uh, withstand that, that, that uncomfortableness that we all feel because many of us do not like conflict and to be able to jump in in such a way that is going to not only help us, but help the other people involved too. I looked up on Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the definition of courage. And Merriam-Webster says that courage is the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And I don't know what's true for you, but for me, fear is probably the one that holds me back most often from handling situations that I know I should probably handle. And Eleanor Roosevelt is famously attributed to having said, do one thing every day that scares you. I actually think that's a great plan for professional development. If you do nothing else, do one thing every day that scares you, or if it if not scares you, at least pushes you and makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Because each time you do that, not only do you develop more learning, uh, but you also build your comfort with having courage. And I think there's a spectrum of courage here. So on, on one end of the spectrum, there's this safety zone that we all sort of like to hang out in a lot of the time. And the safety zone is I'm going to not make choices in my life and in my career and in my leadership skills that are ever going to put me in uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable positions, um, things that I'm going to have, I'm going to be able to avoid conflict. And I think for many people um, and in many people's careers, and I would even go as far as to say many people in leadership sort of tend to hang out in this safety zone of not really pushing the envelope too much. And that's why a lot of people have, I think, mediocre careers, is that they're not willing to push beyond that safety zone. And of course, there really is no safety zone. (laughs) The safety zone is a mirage. It's an illusion. Because even if we think we're safe in our organization, even if we think we're safe as a leader, we all know that external events take over. And boy, you know, we certainly don't need to look any farther than what's going on in the world right now, at least here in the U.S. with the economy and layoffs. Uh, even people who thought they were very safe in their careers uh, for years, in some cases decades, uh, find themselves in tough situations now because they are out of a job. And so being in the safety zone really, uh, although there are times that it's okay to be in the safety zone, as a long-term career goal to not ever push the envelope is not helpful for us. It's not helpful for our development, and it's not really that interesting either. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is overconfidence. You know, overconfidence uh, is 
as probably as dangerous, if not worse, because you haven't earned the right to do the things you want to do. And I know there's been times in my life and in my career where I've also trended to that side too, where I haven't really had the experience or the confidence to jump into a new situation. And, and, uh, and I learned that lesson well about six, seven, eight years ago when I tried to start up doing a coaching business, uh, back, uh, in about 2001, 2002. And I didn't know enough about what I was doing. I thought I did at the time, but I realized that I actually, my confidence level was too high and my education and my experience was too low. And that's not a good place to be either, because not only do you not have a lot of integrity, but you don't, and ultimately you're not going to be very successful. So ultimately we want to hit this middle zone of really having kind of an appropriate amount of courage on a daily basis. And, and, and I think for most of us, that does mean pushing ourselves out of that safety zone. Uh, years ago, I heard this quote, I don't know where it came from. So if you know who this quote is attributed to, by all means, email me feedback at innovatelearning.com. I'd love to know. But the quote was, if you're the king of your world, you're playing in the wrong world. I always try to remember that in my career, that if things seem too comfortable, too safe to me on a regular basis, uh, not just once in a while, but all the time, then I'm playing in the wrong place, that I need to challenge myself and give myself as many opportunities as I can to drive my development. So here's five pieces of advice, five pieces of advice to have courage. So number one, have a mentor. There's so much research out there and certainly anecdotal evidence that says that people who have mentors in their careers are people that are going to be more successful in their careers long term. And for me, one of my greatest mentors has been my wife. Uh, when uh, I started stepping out and doing more consulting, uh, my wife had actually had a lot more experience doing that than me, and, and we worked together in our firm. And so I remember the very first time I went to a meeting with a client to do consulting work, and that was new ground for me. And although I had the right education and experience from my previous pro professional positions, it was, you know, it was kind of a scary place to go to that first meeting. And so, you know, we went together. And in fact, I might have even joined her on a meeting she had scheduled. And, and, and boy, I'll tell you, I, I didn't know where to go in that process. I sort of knew structurally what should happen, and I had an agenda in my mind. But just watching her, asking her questions afterwards, asking her questions about why she suggested certain things in the meeting, um, watching her work with people, and that, that has been tremendously valuable to me in my career. And now many of those things, not only do I do as much of as she does, in some cases even more so, because I learned from her and I asked questions and I saw someone who was already successful doing that. And as a result, I was able to learn myself. I think that's such an important thing to have in your life as to and in your career, certainly, is to have someone who's a mentor to you, maybe even have a couple of mentors. And most people who are successful in their positions and in their careers are are, are open to giving back to others and and in many cases want to because they want to give back in such a way where people who they're associated with in their industries, in their careers, are going to be successful in the long run and to have a lasting legacy on others. So I would really encourage you to reach out and to find a mentor and think about who that person may be in your work and in your life if you don't have one already. Now, secondly, 
educate yourself on what's going on. Well, for me, that means reading and also using a system called RSS. I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But uh, I heard a quote uh, recently. Uh, I, I forget who it is. I'll have to look it up and see if I can put it on the show notes. Uh, but it said that uh, all, all, uh, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. And I love that quote because you will rarely run into someone who's successful in business, academia, volunteer organizations, in any leadership capacity that does not keep themselves educated through going to conferences, for to networking with other professionals, and certainly uh, with reading. Reading is probably one of the biggest ways I stay up on what's going on. Uh, educating myself on what's going on in my profession, in my industry. And and that is just a key, key skill for you to have. And so I would really empower you if you are a leader in any capacity and you're not already reading and you don't have that as a regular practice, to begin that as a regular practice. And there's some great tools that you can use out there today to do that. Um, I love reading books digitally now. Uh, I have my iPad and I use that to read books all the time. Uh, the Kindles are great devices from Amazon. It used to be those were quite expensive. Now they've become so inexpensive that uh, the new one that just came out is less than $80. You can really keep up on your reading in amazing ways and and set a goal for yourself. Make it fun. Uh, I have a goal for myself to read 20 books this year, and I'm at about, uh, I think, 14 right now. So I'm a little bit behind. But if you have a goal of not only uh, how much you're going to read, but what you're going to read, that will help you to work toward that goal and to keep your education strong. And one of the sites that I love for this is a free website called Shelfari, and that's S-H-E-L-F-A-R-I.com. And if you go to Shelfari, you can put your what you plan to read on there, how much you've read in the past, what you're currently reading. You can track your goals as far as you're reading with books. You can network with other people. In fact, you can go to my Shelfari website and see what I've been reading recently at Shelfari dot com slash Dave Stahoviak. And I'll put a link to that on the show notes too. But the key is, of course, is to uh, keep yourself educated. The more knowledge you have, the more likely you're going to be able to have courage in tough situations. It gives you more reserve power and more confidence to be able to do that effectively. So here's a couple other resources if you want to really read and educate yourself more. There's a blog post on our website called Six Ways to Get Smart and Stay Smart. And one of those is reading and how to read effectively and how to get into books more. So I'll put a link to that on the website. In addition, uh, one of the other tools that I utilize is something called RSS, which stands for Real Simple Syndication. So rather than going out and reading all the newspapers and blogs out there and in uh, the business world and in my industry, I go to websites and I subscribe to RSS feeds, which is a way to subscribe to something. You can set up an account on Google Reader, which is a free program. So just type in google.com slash reader, and you can subscribe to websites or information that you want from the web or from blogs. And anytime people post new articles on those sites, then it'll come right to your reader screen. And you can then sync that reader with iPod or iPad or really any other device that is available electronically or can read even just on your computer screen. And I use that all the time to watch things like the Wall Street Journal. Uh, For example, I don't have the time to read the Wall Street Journal every day. So I subscribe to the feed that says, hey, Wall Street Journal, send me the 
four or five most popularly read articles today that people are talking about and emailing in the world. And those are the ones I want to see. And every day that shows up on my uh, reader application. So I'd encourage you to look into that if you're not already familiar with that technology. Uh, pretty much all of that is free these days, uh, although there are some that you know have subscriptions, but it's a great system to be able to utilize. The Wall Street Journal has a subscription, but many websites are free as far as news and information. Find the organizations you're involved with, find the blogs that are most relevant to you, and subscribe to them. And if you're really looking for some more details on how to do that, uh, my wife Bonnie and I host a po- another podcast called Tech Couple, and we did an episode a couple months back on how to do that effectively. So if you go to techcouple.com and take a look at episode number five, you'll find some good information for how to do that. It's a great way to build up your courage and your knowledge in the world. Thirdly, surround yourself with people who are going to empower you. And this is something that I've really tried to do in my life is to, in volunteer organizations, religious community, friendships, is to really surround myself with people that are going to empower me, people that are going to help build my confidence, people who are knowledgeable and give me feedback and really are going to help me to be a more effective, not only professional, but just a more effective person. And if there's people in your life right now who, um, you know, know, either your professional or personal life, who tend to bring you down, who tend to be critical of you, who tend to uh, keep you from moving ahead, don't spend your time with those folks. Uh, You know, and it's not always possible to, (laughs) what's the kind word, Um, remove those people from your life, especially if it's a family member. But focus your time on the people who are really going to be the people that will empower you and help you and want you to be able to succeed. If there's something, someone that's competing with you or competing against you, that's probably not the person who's going to support you and really help you to be the professional and the leader you want to be. So look for people who are going to empower you. And if those people aren't in your life, set a goal to find them and go ahead and write out even what kind of person are you looking are you looking for and you'll be amazed at how quickly that person may show up in your life and or they may be there already but once you've written out exactly what you're looking for in that type of a relationship all of a sudden when that person does show up the next time you recognize them right away number four have direction and specifically have a personal vision one of my favorite tools for this is by Michael Hyatt, who has uh, a great post and resource and actually an electronic book on his website to create a life plan. So you can go, it's michaelhyatt.com, and I'm going to put a link to that on the show notes. I use that template to plan out uh, my life, as in to plan out what I'm going to be doing each year, and specifically then how I'm going to use each week and each month to advance me toward my long-term vision. And and this really helps a lot with courage because it helps it helps you to really know what to focus on but also what not to avoid. Case in point, for me, uh, one of the long-term visions I had for many years was to become very successful at training and facilitation. Well, the very first time that I was in front of a corporate client uh, probably, hmm, let's see here, about eight, you know seven, eight years ago and facilitating a large group for multiple hours, I was terrified and, and it went okay and it was successful because I was trained and I had done all the things I needed to do to get ready for that experience. 
But it didn't change the fact that I was <laughs> terrified to do it the first time. And I remember I didn't sleep the night before. I think I might not even slept well for two nights prior to that. And was nervous all day, and even during so was 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 nervous, and 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 it's so easy when that happens, when you run into those obstacles, especially when you're learning something fairly new for the first time, to hit those obstacles and to either shy away from them or not push through them, and to say, well, you know, this is harder than I thought it was going to be, and so I'm not going to maybe pursue this. Uh, newsflash for all of us, <laughs> and this is a reminder for myself too. Everything is always harder than you think it's going to be when you're doing it the first time. Things that look easy from our perspective when we're not doing it always are harder when we're the we're doing it for the first time. And particularly for those of you listening who are newer leaders, the first time you jump into that position, there's a whole bunch of things that you'd never expect you'd run into with working with people and conflict and communication. And so if you have direction of where you're going to go, it's a lot easier to be able to motivate yourself to push through those obstacles and to have the courage to handle those tough situations so that you're able to really reach your long-term objectives. How will you reach a vision you don't have? You have to have that vision first and that ability to be able to utilize your time well to get there. Uh, There's also a blog post on our website that might be helpful for those of you who are looking for ways to use your vision and utilize your time well. Uh, the name of the post is I'm, ir- I'm Irrational with My Time and So Are You. I wrote this earlier this year. I'll put a link to it up on the show notes here on the website as well. And then finally, number five, lean into discomfort. When you sense something is up with someone else and particularly with someone you're leading, it's probably already been an issue for a while because when, once we get the sense that something's up, much like I did with that person in my class five or six years ago, I knew something was going on, but it took me five or six weeks to move on it and only when someone else called me on it. So that's not that, that certainly is one way to handle something, but unfortunately you're already behind the, uh, you're already behind the game if you're reacting we want to be able to respond as leaders. So when you sense something's up, it's probably already been an issue for a little bit because it takes time just for you to notice it. So as soon as you notice something, it's time to start thinking about how you might take action on it. And and you know, we're all wrong. That's the hard part too, is we sometimes don't know if something's really an issue. And I know I've done this before with people when I've sort of had the sense and and when I've worked with clients or or colleagues and I sort of get the sense that something's going on, uh, but I'm not really sure. One thing that I found that's helpful is to start off that conversation with, hey, I could be totally wrong on this. <laughs> I know I've done that with people I've worked with before. I've said, you know, I could be totally wrong on this, but I'm just getting the sense that uh, you know something may be up or something's kind of not working with th- this relationship or with this particular situation. You know, Am I wrong about that? Tell me what Tell me what's going on. And and that way it sort of takes away some of the uh, confrontation around that. And and you can have a pretty, uh, you know, I and I help the other person save face and, and hopefully we can have a pretty good dialogue about what's going on. And it may be that nothing's going on. Maybe that we're wrong about it, but at least then we know as a leader. Now, much of what I've said above is really about that, uh, going back to that definition of courage again, mental or moral strength to venture persevere, 
and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Much of what I've said above is about that mental or moral strength. Courage comes from ourselves first. And so if we can be focused on these five things, having a mentor, keeping ourselves educated, finding people that will empower us, having direction through a vision, and being able to lean into discomfort in our professional lives and personal lives, then we are going to be able to step into courage a lot more effectively and be able to lead others more effectively too. I hope this has been helpful information for you. All of the notes and links that I've mentioned on the show today will be on our website. That website's at innovatelearning.com. And this is episode number 12. So when you get to the website, just take a look for episode number 12 and you'll find all the links there. If your organization is looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, give us a call. We might be able to help you out. You can reach us at 877-LEARN-45. And that's also the phone number to uh, leave any comments or questions or feedback for this show as well too. 877-LEARN-45. Or of course, you can email me at feedback at innovatelearning.com. Hey, I hope you have a great week out there and I will talk to you next Monday morning again. Take care, everybody.